Thanks for listening to our Legacy Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Christ and you visit us soon at our Legacy Church campus in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. For more information, visit us online at www.legacychurchri.com. I grew up in a normal home. My my dad's a doctor. My mom's a cellist. Uh, I went to church on Sundays, but I didn't know the real Jesus that I know today. I was living just a very wrong lifestyle. I was drinking, I was smoking, and I was trying these different drugs. I designed for Macy's and Target and uh, Victoria's Secret, and I, I did all that, you know, and it was great. It was everything that I wanted. Being with all my dad, it just led me to the streets. I was trying to find love in all the wrong places. My wife and I, we've always had a pretty strong like relationship. I woke up one day with extreme pain in my back. I couldn't walk. I was taken to the hospital. We had lost best friends, uh, and ever since then, I just kind of felt a little empty. My dad actually battled with alcoholism, so it was a pretty unstable uh, household. On December 20th, 2018, the doctor examines me only to find out that one of our twins had passed away. I remember being very depressed, very sad. I can remember just finding myself, just crying myself to sleep and, you know, bringing self-harm upon myself because I really didn't think I could keep on going, where I didn't think I could stand a chance. I didn't think that there was hope for me. I thought that I had to give up. And if I did, no one else would care. Kept hanging out with the wrong people and I ended up committing a crime and ended up in prison. I lost my job and um, I couldn't, I couldn't quite keep it together. I could tell that, you know, something was, was, was troubling her. Like there was this, this part that like, we've never felt this distant ever. They ran multiple tests, sent me to specialists. I lasted in that wheelchair for three months. Every week we went up for prayer with our family and our friends. And every week we left feeling hope, but still in a lot of pain and still in the wheelchair. It was a big event, it was happening. I was invited and my wife was super excited to go. I, w- I couldn't really tell like why we were getting excited. I wasn't ready, my heart wasn't ready, but I was like, you know what, I gotta support my wife, let's go. Then we started talking, I started, we started feeling something different. Worship was like, I never really experienced worship. Um, even the term worship was like, ah, like, I gotta worship something. But then I was just like, whoa, 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 this is, it really got normal, really started feeling like, okay, there's something happening in this room. All of these overwhelming emotions, like love, I felt, joy, happiness. I had the chills running through my body from head to toe. It was the most euphoric experience I've ever had. And I was completely sober. And I knew in that moment that it was God's presence. I think what keeps people from coming to God is fear of how people will see them or view them. And also fear of maybe past hurts that they've gone through. But really we're all broken people. We all need Jesus. We all need um, his joy, his peace, his presence. So I was in my prison cell, December 5th, 2010, and my cellmates were talking about religion. And the prison guard comes in and he just starts preaching about Jesus. And he led me to the Lord right there in the most darkest place. But I remember just feeling so much joy uh, knowing that I was literally in chains, but at the same time free. I don't know how he did it, but it was just like day by day, just strip one bad thing off of me. When I said yes to Jesus, he reminded me that 
that he never gave up on me, that he was watching me, that he was wiping my tears away as I was crying. And, you know, I just am so grateful that even looking back now at my pain, that he had a purpose for it. And the purpose is for today. After about three months of being in that wheelchair, we went up for prayer. That was a really hard day for me. I was in a lot of pain and I just couldn't do it anymore. I wanted to be a mother to my kids and be there for my family. That day, we were surrounded by friends, family, leaders, pastors, and they just prayed and prayed and I prayed and cried. And one minute I'm sitting in the wheelchair in extreme pain, the next thing I know I look around and I'm walking around and I have no pain. God has delivered me from depression. I believe God is a God of second chances because he gave me a second chance. I believe that God can heal broken hearts because he healed my broken heart. I believe God is not a far off God because even though I was far away from him, he was close to me. I believe that God is a God that helps you find your true identity because he helped me find mine. I believe God is a God who is there even in your darkest moments because he was there for me. I believe God is faithful. Because he's been faithful to us. He's a God of miracles. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. Let's all stand. God's gonna do miracles in this house today. The presence of the Lord is in this place. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Father, we call upon you as a miracle-working God today. We leave, Lord, our limited understanding, Lord, and we ask that heaven would touch this place today. God, we pray, Lord, God, in every life today, every need today, that you would come, descend into this place, that your angels of heaven would descend into this place, and we would see breakthrough, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. We ask you, Lord, to come as the God of power, the God of healing, the God of deliverance, the God who is able to wash away our past and make all things new. So, Father, open our hearts. Make us hungry to hear your word today. Give us faith, Lord, even the size of a mustard seed. Lord, that can move mountains today, oh God. God, we come to you, Lord, and we ask you that you would be sovereign in our midst. And God, I pray, God, anoint every word spoken, that it be as a two-edged sword that would cut away unbelief, that would cut away fear, that would cut away religious spirits, that would cut away lies that would be planted into our minds that are contrary to your word, Lord. And God, anoint my lips in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise as we receive his word today. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Every time you hear his testimony like you just did, every time you hear a story like you just did of real people, people that are in this church, this very room today, it is a story of a person who has been touched by heaven. It is a story of a person who has been touched by a supernatural being, by a supernatural spirit, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, God Almighty. There is a sphere that operates in tandem to the natural world that we're living in. And it's a sphere called heaven. The Bible calls it a kingdom. It's a kingdom. On this earth, earth has a kingdom. Earth has a governmental form. 
earth has authority. There's another realm, another kingdom. It's called the kingdom of darkness. That is just as real as the world that you see in the natural. And that has authority. That has power. It's a realm. It's a sphere that's just as real as the matter, the chair that you're sitting in, this pulpit. But then there's another kingdom the Bible calls. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of lights. And when you and I are touched by a mighty God and you hear testimonies like you heard today, and God wants you to experience this kingdom of heaven, it is supernatural, it's real, and it's what changes our lives. And I want to talk about heaven today. I want to continue looking at heaven and bringing understanding that heaven isn't just about the afterlife. God wants heaven to touch your world. God wants heaven to touch your life. Not only is salvation. We can understand Christ. We can understand a supernatural change that happens when we get saved and we go from darkness to light, when our lives get transformed, when we have an experience. But God wants heaven to be part of your everyday life. God wants heaven to be just as real to you you to have just as much access to heaven as you do every other part of your life, every other natural part of your life. The Bible says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift, say the word perfect, perfect, is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. See, everything in life changes. People change. Situations change. There's only one steadfast in your life. It's God Almighty. It's heaven. Heaven does not change. Heaven is always good. Heaven is always powerful. Heaven always has the final authority. See, if you want something good and perfect, if you want a good spouse, you better get that spouse from heaven. If you want a good job, you better get that job from heaven. If you want a house, you better get that house from heaven. Because if you get it from any other place, it will not be pretty. And we see people all the time jumping the gun, getting into the natural realm and trying to make things happen on their own, not waiting on heaven. If you wait on heaven, you get what is perfect. Heaven is worth waiting for. God is worth going to. Whatever your need is, get it from heaven. God knows that you and I need help. Some of us need a lot of help. Amen? So the Bible says that from this fear of heaven, that God gives you help. He sends angels to you. Look at this scripture in Hebrews 1.14. Are not all angels, listen, all angels, are not all angels ministering spirit, spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Do you know that angels, you have angels, you have guardian angels? How many grew up 
you know, kind of talking to their guardian angel, you know. I remember as a child, growing up as a good little Catholic boy, you know, and once in a while I'd say, hey, I think I have a guardian angel, and I would talk to my angel, especially if I was in trouble with my parents, right? I'd talk to my angel. God gives you even angels from the sphere of heaven to walk with you in life. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 2, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Have you ever had encounters in life? And all of a sudden, you're like, where'd that person go? person just helped me do something. That person just was pointing to a parking spot. So here's a, here's a, a free parking spot. Come right here, right here. And you go, oh, thank you, thank you. You park in, where'd that person go? I believe in angels. I don't know about you. I believe in angels. I believe God so knows I need help. He gives me angels to live life with because heaven is real. You know, Jesus declared, and he, and he spoke to, to his disciples, and he said, I want you to pray like this. Now, this is interesting, the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer was given by Jesus, not to everybody, you know. The Lord's Prayer was given by Jesus to his disciples. He told his disciples, his followers, his believers, listen, you can pray like this. And he says, pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus spoke to his disciples, to you and me, believers, and he said, you can pray like this. You can declare, in my world, I want heaven. In my world, I want good things. In my world, I'm a son of God, daughter of the Lord. I can ask, Jesus said, pray like this. You can ask for heaven to invade your world. To me, that's good news. Amen? Heaven is like oxygen. You may not see it, you may not smell it, you may not feel it, but it is all around you. When you are desperate enough, when you need change enough, when you desire Jesus enough, have faith enough, heaven comes into your world like oxygen into your lungs. That's how powerful heaven is. And I believe many, many Christians live life not touching heaven to the extent that God wants us to touch heaven. Many Christians live life not opening a door that's filled with all these beautiful, good things. Many Christians live life not asking God for all these things that he's got for you. Not believing that they can open the door to all these things that are right in a sphere that is operating in tandem to your natural world. Let us today believe that we serve a miracle-working God. We want miracles, Lord. We want change in our lives, God. We want good things in our life. God, we want heaven in our life. I don't know if you guys remember in October 2010, a billion people all over the world were watching as Jose... Enrique Gonzalez and 33 other men emerged in a 
from a cave in Chile, 2,300 feet down. They were in there for 69 days. Everyone said, it's impossible. It's impossible they could survive this. It's impossible that, they, that we can save these people. They're gone. They're dead. It's impossible. But at 69 days, these guys, 33 of them, most of them, under in the, in the grave of their hell, most of them were unbelievers. But Jose preached two times a day because they sent these little Bibles down in a tube. And he took this, these little Bibles and he had a crew. He had a crew with 33 people. And he refused to believe that God could not hear them. He refused to believe that the God of heaven could not invade their tomb, could not invade their hell, cannot invade their circumstance. He refused to believe it. And by the end of those days, all 33 of those men came out of that pit of hell because heaven was with them. And all 33 of them confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they all wore t-shirts that said, To God be the glory and the honor. Heaven will visit you wherever you're at. True story. Emperor Nero, who persecuted Christians. The Apostle Paul was martyred under him. The Apostle Peter was martyred under him. Nero used Christians as torches around his palace. He used Christians. He burned them alive as torches. He took entire families, gathered Christians, families, brought them to Colosseums. He would feed them to the lion. And in that place, Rome would hear singing. Entire families, Christians, as they're being literally ravaged by wild beasts and lions, they would begin to praise the Lord. They begin to experience a dimension that existed. And people say, what is going on? This is not the sound of suffering. This is the sound as, as though people were experiencing heaven while they're being ravaged. Because heaven is like oxygen. It's all around you. And their faith penetrated this place called heaven. And they were experiencing heaven. And even in the, in the, in the gruesomeness and the, and, and the horror that others can see with their eyes, they were seeing a whole other dimension called heaven. Heaven is accessible to us as believers. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, says, we are hard-pressed. You can be hard-pressed on every side, but not be crushed. You can be perplexed, but not in despair. You can be persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Because heaven is with us, people. Heaven is with us. You know, I believe, and I want to talk about two things that I believe 
truly release heaven into a person's life. And this has been my experience in, in, in seeing the lives of many people over the years and seeing God work in the lives of many people. And even today, we heard these testimonies. The first thing is I believe that God meets us and reveals heaven to us in times of desperation. When you are desperate and you need more than this world, God gives you a glimpse of heaven. God gives you a touch of heaven. How many have been in a desperate place? So maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm in this place. God, show me heaven. God, help me be touched by you. Help me be touched by heaven. God will meet you in your desperation. One of the most desperate times in my life personally was many years ago, I was in a hotel fire called the Yonkers Holiday Inn Fire. I've told this story before. And, and every once in a while, I'm reminded of this night being in a hotel in Yonkers, New York, when I was a banker. I was there on business. And at 2 in the morning, I'm sleeping. And I think I'm dreaming. And I, I'm hearing explosions, one after another, after another. And I, I'm thinking that I'm dreaming. And then I start to cough, I start to choke, and it startled me, and I woke up. And the only thing I could hear was the sound of fire crackling, and my room was filled with black smoke. I was choking. I started panicking. Trauma hit me. And I, I got up, and, and I, the only thing I could think of is I was on the third or second or third floor. I think it was the third floor. And, uh, and I remember there's a door to a balcony, and so I go running to the door in panic, and I'm trying to hold my breath. And I'm opening the door, and the, and, the, and the handle just spun around, and they rigged it so you couldn't go on the balcony. And then my next thought was I need to smash through the window because I was ready to pass out. I grab a chair, and I start smashing the window. And rather than the window breaking or shattering, the chair shattered. And my natural reaction at that point was, Lord, save me. I started crying out with everything in me, Jesus, save me, Lord. Save me, God. Save me, Lord. And I looked and I saw a TV and I tried to pull that TV to throw it against the glass and, and the TV was bolted. I couldn't get it off. And I saw one chair, the other side of the room. Now, imagine this, the room is pitch black. No sirens are going off. And I had run to the door, which I failed to mention. I run to the door, which you never do. I open the door, and there's flames shooting up the stairwell. And there were, I didn't know this till later. There were two people that died in that hallway because they ran out and they got asphyxiated. And I shut that door, and, and I grabbed this third chair, and I cried, God, Jesus, help me. I was desperate. I needed something supernatural to happen. Lord, you have to save me. And the Lord heard my cry, and I threw that chair from across the room. And when that chair hit the glass, it, it shattered. And I put my head out, and I started breathing. I was desperate. Many times, it's in your desperation that you meet God. It's in your desperation where God reveals to you that He's real. He's listening to you. He knows your circumstance. He brings heaven. He touches you. Because heaven is a real place. You know, I believe that God himself will allow desperation to come into your life. We read the Bible. It's filled with 
with story after story of desperation. We read about Daniel in the lion's den. He was in a desperate place. But in that place, God showed him that he can even shut the mouth of a lion. You read about Joseph left in a pit by his own brothers to die. Put in a prison. But God showed him even rejected by his own family, even left to die, even in prison, taken as a slave. God can take your situation and make him almost second in leadership over all Egypt. And God used Joseph to save Israel from starvation. He takes a little boy like David and he faces him off with a huge giant. Insurmountable. No one can kill this guy. He kills everyone he faces. But God allowed David to be put in that desperate situation to show him how heaven works. To show him in desperation that God can still work in your life. I remember... A Friday night being in church, a special church service. And someone had brought this woman and her daughter to church. And she was weeping and crying, her and her daughter. And she started to uh, confess her sins and, and tell people that she was dying. And it was just, she was a single mother. And she had a little daughter and she, was, she had cancer and her whole body was filled with tumors. Her arm was filled with tumors. Her body was filled with tumors all the way down to her groin area. Filled with tumors. Her body was taken over by cancer. And she said, what do I do with my daughter? How do I take care of my daughter? I'm going to die of cancer. How do I take care of my daughter? And she started in, 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 in that tremendous pain that she was feeling, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. She started confessing her sins and saying, you know, can God heal me? I've been prostituting myself. I've been selling my body so I can take care of my daughter and we don't have to be on the streets. Can God, will God still heal me? Can he still heal me? Will he still heal me? And we just began to pray for her. God, you are a lover of the worst sinner. And people gathered around her, began to pray for her, began to pray for her, began to pray for her. Because God doesn't look at us the way we look at people, even the way we look at ourselves. And we prayed. At 7.30 on Saturday morning, I pulled up to the church. And I see this woman sitting in a car. And she's, she's bobbing up and down. She's holding the stairwheel, and she's bobbing up and down. I'm saying, what's up? That's that woman that we prayed for last night. And I went up to her, and uh, I knocked on the window, and she, she looks at me, and she opens the door, and she starts sobbing and crying. And she said, I can't believe this. I had to come back. This was 7.30 in the morning. I went home last night, and I started getting very sick. I was throwing up. I felt high fever. And I was saying to myself, oh my goodness, I went to church and I'm getting worse. And she said she fell asleep in the bathroom. And she woke up and she looks and starts feeling and every single one of her tumors was completely gone. And she starts lifting her shirt and she's saying, look, look, look. God visits you 
He releases heaven to you in your most desperate times. See, desperation leads to confession. Confession leads to repentance, which leads to heaven touching your world. Desperation brings you to a place of brokenness, brings you to a place of asking God, God, I need forgiveness. I need to change. Lord, will you touch me? And God will not despise a broken and contrite heart, the Bible says. Heaven will touch you. And let me also say this. Not everyone gets healed. Not everyone experiences a miracle on earth. But heaven touches everyone if you're a believer. I've been at the grave or the bedside of many people as they pass on from this world to another world. One of my closest friends, who's a secretary for many years, I was in her room. When she passed on, she had cancer. Powerful woman of God. Anointed worship leader. Powerful teacher of the word. But in her time of cancer, God still used her to display his glory. God still used her how she held on to her faith. How she stayed strong. How she praised the Lord. How she never said a negative word against her Lord and Savior. Never. The glory of God was in her and on her, even through her suffering. And I remember being in her room. I think her daughter was there too, one of her daughters. And she was breathing heavy. And all of a sudden, she went from not being there at all to opening her eyes and looking and saying, Jesus. And she completely disappeared. She left. And the power of the Holy Spirit was in that room. I tell you, we started sobbing like babies. Sobbing like babies. Another time, someone calls and says, Pastor Ron, it seems like the doctor said my mom should have died uh, many uh, yesterday. And she's holding on, holding on. And, and and she shouldn't be alive, but she's holding on. She says, I feel in my spirit that somehow she's waiting. She's waiting to be ushered into heaven. She's waiting to be ushered into heaven. Will you come? Will you come to our house? Will you come to our house? And so I went there, and another minister was there. And we were at her bedside, and we started singing to her. We started singing hymns. We sang one, one hymn. He knew most of the hymns. I just joined. (laughs) But I did know the last song that we sang, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. And I'll never forget this moment. As we finished Amazing Grace, and we just said, Amen. She just left. I said, God, we have the authority to usher people into heaven. God, when we sing, when we worship, when we pray, heaven itself comes. And I believe angels came and said, and she said, now I'm ready to go to heaven. Because her eyes were open and she was ushered into heaven. The second thing that I believe releases heaven into a person's life more than anything else is a desire for Jesus. A desire 
for Jesus. See, Jesus always desires you. Jesus always desires you. Right now, in this room, the Holy Spirit is here. The Lord knows you're here. He knows you by name. And He loves you and He longs for you. He desires you. You know, you should read the book of, of Solomon, Song of Songs. It's a, it's a book of desire. And it's a great book, husbands, to read to your wives and wives to read to your husbands. I was reading some words <laughs> to my wife yesterday. It's probably the only rated R book in the Bible, okay? And if you've never read it, now everyone's going to run home. I'm, I, this is a great way to get you guys to read your Bibles. Go read some passages of the Song of Solomon. It's beautiful. I'm not going to read the words here because you'll be too distracted. But when you read the words in the Song of Songs, you see how God desires us. He desires you. He desires relationship with you. See, if Jesus showed up, which he's here by spirit, trust me, he desires you. But heaven is released when you desire him. When you desire Jesus, when you cry to Jesus, when you call upon Jesus, that's when heaven is released. I want to read a passage of scripture, Luke 7. 37 through 48. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind them at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, the Pharisee, the religious one, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. This is an ugly scene. Number one, you have a prostitute who enters a Pharisee, a religious Pharisee, uninvited, completely uninvited, she goes into his house. Now, you've got to remember, she is unclean. You cannot touch or be near an unclean person if you are a holy religious Pharisee. And she fell at his feet. Not only did she fall at his feet, she pours out expensive perfume. She wastes all this wealth that, listen, that she earned in prostitution. Think about this. She earned this wealth in prostitution 
And Jesus is allowing her to pour it on his feet. Not only that, he's allowing her to kiss his feet, to wipe his feet, to wipe her tears. See, heaven never comes in a nice, neat package. She did everything wrong. She didn't run in to the Pharisee. She ran in to the one that they called a friend of sinners. She didn't run in doing everything the right way, the way it's supposed to be done. She ran in and did everything the wrong way. See, religion gets old. Religion gets old. Church can even get old. Let's be real, people. But Jesus, being touched by Jesus, being touched by the Holy Spirit, encountering heaven, never, ever gets old. And that's what changes your life. A sermon in itself can't change you. A powerful song that we sing every week cannot change you. But a touch from heaven will change you. Will change you. Amen? Everything we do is for heaven to come. It's not the song in itself. It's not the sermon in itself. It's to get us to leave our natural minds and to cry out for the one who can change our lives, and that's Jesus. See, I want to be a person that comes to church seeking after Jesus. The songs are good. I hope the sermons are good. I know the coffee's pretty good. But that's not going to change me. That's not going to give me what I need. I need Jesus. I want to come and call out to Jesus and cry out to Jesus. See, we need heaven. We need holiness. We need power to change. We need healing. We need deliverance. We need addictions broken. We need hurt healed. We need emptiness filled. We need a touch from heaven. Desire for Jesus over anything else. Listen, a desire for Jesus over anything else will release years of bondage from you. Will release years of abuse. Will release years of hurt. Chains of fear, rejection, lies, sin, demons off of your life. A desire, a cry, Jesus, touch me, Lord. Jesus, I lay down my pride. I lay down my religiosity. I lay down the way I think things should be, especially in church. I come, I fall at your feet. I'm a sinner. I cry at your feet. Lord, I give you everything I have. Will you touch me? Will you touch me? Will you change me? Will you fill me? Because only Jesus can satisfy the emptiness in our lives. Only Jesus can satisfy. And today I pray that many of you will come and be touched by the Lord.
as we open the altars as music ministry come. Let's just lift our hands. Close. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by our Legacy Church podcast, and we hope to see you soon at our 10 a.m. church service in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. You can connect with us on any social media platform or at LegacyChurchRI.com. Have a blessed week.